will turn with me in your Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Philippians. We're turning to the book of Philippians, please, in the chapter 1. Philippians, in the chapter 1, please. We're turning to the verse 12, continuing our little series, The Pursuit of Joy. And today we're thinking upon this title, The Gospel in Chains. The Gospel in Chains. And we're reading Philippians chapter 1, please. And we're going to read uh, from the verse... Well, and of course this is Paul writing, and he says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the burdens of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strength, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contrition, or contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding, Every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this afternoon. Let's just pray with God's word open on our lives. Our Father, we bow before you and we come to the most important part of our service this afternoon. For Father, your word has been read. And Father, we pray that indeed that you would speak to each one of us from these verses this morning. And Father, we pray that the book would come alive before us, that the Spirit of God would eat our understanding of it. And Father, we pray that indeed that you would help us to imply, apply your word to each of our hearts this day, Oh God, we need your help just now. Father, speak to us. Father, use this preacher, I pray. Father, I am weak, and I just pray that you will fill me afresh with your spirit. Father, I pray that your voice only would be heard. That, Father, nothing of my words would be heard. And anything that is of me would be forgotten. But, Father, all that you have to say would be remembered here as we leave later on. Father, bless us, we pray. Speak, we pray. We ask this for your glory alone, and in the Saviour's name, Amen. Amen. John Bunyan's preaching was so popular and powerful and so unacceptable to the leaders in the 17th century Church of England that he was jailed in order to silence him. Refusing to be silent, he began to preach in the jail courtyard. And not only had a large audience of prisoners there in the courtyard, but also hundreds from the surrounding area of the prison in Bedford would have came to the prison daily and stood outside the gate to hear John Bunyan preach. He was silenced verbally by being placed deep inside the jail and forbidden to preach at all. Yet in that silence, he spoke the loudest. Because... In that silence, he penned the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, that great Christian classic that has ministered the gospel to tens of millions throughout the world. 
For several centuries, it has been the most widely read and translated book in the world after the Bible. Bunyan's opponents were trying to stop him from preaching, but they weren't able to stop his ministry. And instead, they provided an opportunity for the gospel and Bunyan's ministry to be extended from deep within that jail in the small town of Bedford to the ends of the earth. You know, God often has hidden purposes in the adversity that he allows in our lives. You know, several letters that Paul penned, and David's already alluded to this in the New Testament, they were called prison epistles. And Paul wrote three letters, including the letter of Philippians, while he was in jail. The book of Revelation was penned by the Apostle John while he was in exile on the Isle of Patmos. And it was in prison, as we've just noted, that John Bunyan wrote his great work, The Pilgrim's Progress. The prisons of our lives, the tough times, can often become great opportunities for ministry and great opportunities for the gospel. Dr. David Jeremiah, in his commentary in these verses, quotes Charles Coulson. And Charles Coulson wrote this. He says, My lowest days as a Christian, and there were low ones, seven months' worth of them in prison, to be exact, have been more fulfilling and rewarding than all the days of glory in the White House. And it was that way for the Apostle Paul. When he referred to in verse 12, when he said, the things that have happened to me, he was reminding the Philippians that he had experienced some difficult days. <coughs> he was writing in response to a letter from the Philippian church that had been carried by Epaphroditus. And the believers in Philippi, they loved Paul dearly, and they were concerned about his welfare as he had been put into this, uh, this arrest there in Rome. And for two years he had been a prisoner in Caesarea, and now he was a prisoner in Rome. And because Paul knew of their concern, he was writing to them this letter to set their minds at ease. You know, by his own testimony, we know that Paul had a great desire to go to Rome to preach the gospel. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, Paul said, After I have been there, after I have been to Jerusalem, I must also see Rome. He wrote to the Roman church. In Romans chapter 1 verse 15 he wrote, So as much as, is, as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And in Acts 23 verse 11, the Lord confirmed that Paul should go to Rome. The Lord told him, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so thou must bear witness also at Rome. And when Paul prayed that he might have a prosperous journey to Rome in the will of God, I'm sure he had no idea how his prayer would be answered. Warren Wearsby has observed he wanted to go as a preacher to Rome, but he ended up going as a prisoner. I wonder what your attitude might have been if you'd been in Paul's shoes. You were heading to Rome. You knew the Lord was calling you to Rome. You knew the Lord wanted you to be there, but yet you ended up in prison. And I'm sure the church of Philippi had concern, but I'm sure when I think of Paul, if I had been in his shoes, I might have been very discouraged. I thought the Lord was bringing me to Rome to preach the gospel in the States. Instead, the Lord put him in prison. 
Never Philippi, they were concerned, and maybe they felt that the great evangelist was imprisoned and the gospel was going to go into decline. But that wasn't Paul's attitude. We discovered in the past couple of studies in Philippians that Paul, he's the joyful servant of the Lord. I wonder if you're joyful today. And today we're going to see the optimistic prisoner. You see, Paul had one supreme purpose in his life. And that was to spread the gospel, nothing else mattered. And after his vision of the Lord from heaven on the road to Damascus, all else in his life took second place to the man with nail prints in his hand. God and Christ had invaded time, and only the truths that related to Christ were important to Paul in this life. Salvation from sin, a home in heaven, union with Christ, the glorious realities that everybody needed to know and Paul's sole goal in life was to make Christ known. The theme of Paul's life could be this. Jesus. All for Jesus. All I am and have. And ever hope to be. Paul didn't find joy in ideal circumstances. He found joy in winning others to Christ. Does the scripture say, he that winneth souls is wise? And Paul's priority no matter where he was, no matter what his circumstances were, good or bad, was to promote the gospel and make Christ known. It was an assembly here, and many places around the country, we prioritise gospel preaching on a Sunday evening. How sad it is that so many, it's a service that's forgotten about, and a service that many forget to invite on safe family and friends to. Although we would fall in love with the gospel, with gospel preaching again, but not only that, that we would bring others under the sound of that. I want you to notice just three things in our wee passage this morning. And the first thing I want you to see is Paul's unfortunate situation. Paul's unfortunate situation. You know, in verse 12 he says the things that happened to me. He's been reminding the Philippians that he's had difficult days. But I want you to see the sheer unfairness of his bonds. The sheer unfairness of his bonds. Well, what had happened to Paul? Well, if you read the letter, read the latter part of the book of Acts, you'll discover that he was falsely accused three times. He was put in front of three governors, and finally he was in front of King Agrippa, and that was the third person. They illegally had arrested him, and he'd been made a prisoner in Caesarea, and for, for two years he stayed there. There was no reason for him to be in prison. They couldn't find any fault with him. He hadn't done anything wrong, and yet he found himself in a prison cell. And then after appealing to Caesar, Paul was nearly shipwrecked on his way to Rome with the prisoners. And he finds himself imprisoned in his own hired house, chained daily to the Roman soldiers now. And Rome, it wasn't an easy place to be a Christian to start with. And Paul's situation wasn't an easy one. And yet there, under house arrest, chained to a prison guard, Paul was able to say in verse 18, he rejoices, he says, Christ is great, and I therein do rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. I wonder do you rejoice to hear Christ preach? I wonder do you love to hear the gospel message? I wonder do you rejoice as Paul did when you hear the glorious gospel? Here's a man, and he was singing in a difficult place. You know, not everyone has learned to sing in difficult days. Maybe you sit here today, you say, Peter, it's all well for you. You don't go to the place that I work. 
You, you're not in board. You're not in the board where I'm on today. You're not in the school where I teach and work. You don't live on the street that I live in with the difficult neighbours I have around me. You haven't got a boss like I've got, Peter. It's all very well for you to talk about a life of rejoicing, but my life doesn't lend itself to rejoicing, Peter. Don't tell me to rejoice today. Maybe that's your attitude to life as you come here today. We feel just because we have a, we're in a certain difficult place that we're justified in ceasing to rejoice. I know the place you are might be quite difficult. But I don't want you to listen to my words this morning. I want you to listen to the words of Scripture ministering to you. I want you to hear Paul rejoicing in this trial. He says this, The things that have happened unto me have fallen rather unto the fervence of the gospel. The song of the difficult place. Paul turns the opposition into opportunity. He didn't complain about his chains. He consecrated his chains to the Lord. And he said to the Lord, use my chains for your glory. Use my chains for the fervence of the gospel. So things that happened, the things that had happened to him, instead of shutting the door, had opened the door. His frustrations were instead returned to fulfillment. His adversity was changed to advantage. His difficulties became doors. And God took the negatives, and Paul took the negatives, and he, he changed them to positive. And he says, the things that have happened to me, these difficult things, these trials, it's only been for the fervence of the gospel. Dear Philippian church, thank you for writing your concern to me. Thank you that you're concerned about me. Thank you that you're praying for me. Yes, I'm in a difficult place, but the gospel is being preached. That's what matters, says Paul. Paul in this situation would have had every right to become better. He had, he had these three governors say there was no reason to keep him in prison or put him on death row, and yet that's exactly where he found himself. And Paul, he could have become bitter, and he could have lost his gospel opportunity. When we're in a difficult place, it's very easy to become bitter, isn't it? I preach to myself today as much to each of you. And I've never yet met a better person who's happy. Bitterness and happiness don't blend. A better person usually is miserable. A miserable kind of person. I wonder is there a root of bitterness in some part of your life that, that is spoiling the whole? What for Paul might have been have resulted in bitterness? He wonderfully overcame it. And he rose above it and he was rejoicing. We could think of the sheer unfairness of his bonds. And he still be rejoiced. I want you also to notice the unfriendliness of his colleagues. The unfriendliness of his colleagues. Look at verse 15. He says, for indeed, for some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. Now I don't think I'm reading into verse 15 anything that's not there when I say this. These were Christians. And they were preaching the gospel, the sound gospel. They weren't preaching heresy. And some Christian people in Rome were apparently making the most of the situation that Paul was placed for their own ends, to promote their own names. And they were trying to make themselves greater than the evangelists. Out of envy, they were jealous of the work that God had given Paul to do. And with Paul out of the way, they were taking this opportunity, and they were taking positions of strong influence, and they were preaching Christ, but not with the right motive. They were preaching Christ to make Paul's situation worse. 
And there were others who did preach Christ and the gospel out of goodwill, but for the moment I want to focus on these colleagues of Paul's who were preaching the gospel with the wrong attitude. Their motivation was the issue, not their message. They were doing the right thing, but not with the best motives. Those who preached to him envious, right? Paul tells us in verse 16 that they were adding affliction to his bones. They actually were pleased to make Paul's situation worse for him. It would seem that they wanted Paul just to be kept in the dirt, to be kept while he was dug, and gain praise for themselves. These preachers may have been jealous of how the Lord had used Paul. We aren't told. But let me, let me tell you this. And listen well to this. The work that you do for the Lord, do it for God alone. Don't do it for your name. Do it for His name. Don't do it to make your name greater. Do it to bring glory to God's name. Our purpose on this earth as His children is to bring glory to God's name alone. Nothing more alas than did my Saviour bleed. And did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Peter Creek, a worm. And if God is using others to fulfill his purposes, you don't become jealous of that. You praise God for that. You thank the Lord that he has placed his hand upon one of his servants and is using their work for the fervence of the gospel. Oh, jealousy can ruin a ministry. Jealousy can ruin a ministry. These unfriendly colleagues, they were making Paul's situation much worse. Paul's unfortunate situation. But I want you to see, uh, the, the second thing I want you to see is that Christ is preached. Paul's unfortunate situation was very hurtful. But Paul, Paul found that instead of it being hurtful, he turned it into a thing that was helpful. In verse 12 he says, The things that have happened to me have fallen out, rather, unto the furthest of the gospel. How could Paul have seen blessing in such an unfortunate situation? What blessing was there to be found in such a difficult place? Well, Paul says, I've got opportunity to proclaim the gospel. I've got opportunity to proclaim the gospel. In verse 13 he says, My bonds in Christ are manifest in all the past and in all other cases. And another translation puts it this way, my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the imperial guard. The word translated palace here in the Greek, it's not describing a building, but it's describing a people. And Paul, what he seems to have in mind, is he's speaking about these guards that were chained to him in, his, in the home where he was under house arrest. And you know, it was a great opportunity for Paul, because there would have been hours where he would have been sat with these prison guards, big old prison guards, big tough men, and they had to sit and listen to Paul preach the gospel. Paul just turned to them and he turned his, his prison into a gospel meeting. And he turned and he shared the gospel with these people. And there would have been others and they would have come to visit Paul. And Paul would have had conversations with them about the gospel. And he would have witnessed for Christ. And there were two prison guards at times chained to both sides of Paul. And they had to sit and listen. And Paul says, I want to encourage you, dear church in Philippi, that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the other places. He says the gospel is going throughout the God. These were men that he may never, ever have could have reached for the gospel had God not put him in prison. Paul said, I'm encouraged, Christ is preached. 
He's now beside me, God's put them there for a reason. I can preach today. I wonder whether there's something you and I can learn from this. Maybe you don't want to live where you are. Ever since you moved there, you resented it. Maybe you resented leaving a home church. Maybe you resented leaving your friends. Maybe you resented the fact that your spouse got that new job and the children had to change school. Let me tell you this. God wants you exactly where you are today. Don't dare turn around and say to God, I don't want to be in the situation I'm in. I hate it. I want you to ask yourself this. Is it possible that there's someone maybe in your street, a neighbor, who would never have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel? Had God not planted you where you are? Could it be that you're ill and you don't want to go into hospital? You don't want that operation. You hate the hospital. But there's a nurse who hasn't been to church since she left Sunday school. Or there's a patient going into the same ward as you and, and God has you there for such a time as this. And how could the gospel get into that ward unless God placed you there? And so he chose you and he sent you to the hospital. I want to suggest that when God puts you and I in our lives in difficult places, it's because there's people around us that God needs us to touch for Christ. To share the gospel. You don't want to work in that office. You've been a resentful Christian ever since you went there. Maybe you're the only member of staff for one of the few you're seeing. An opportunity granted for the gospel. Maybe in your life situation you've been wrapped up in yourself recently, in your resentment, in your jealousy, in your doubt. Maybe today you need to realize that there's a gospel, a golden gospel opportunity right at your head, right at your door. I wonder what you take it. Paul's opportunity to proclaim the gospel, but I want you to see the others had opportunities through Paul's situation to preach the gospel. Now we touched on it already, uh, and we don't want to labor the point, but there were preachers of the gospel who did it out of envy and strength, and they sought affliction to Paul's bonds. But then there were others who were inspired by Paul's situation to preach. They preached Christ out of love. We read about them in verse 17. At the end of verse 15, first Paul says, Some are preaching the gospel and do so out of good will, good motives, and he continues to describe them in verse 17. And he says, They preach the gospel out of love, knowing that I am sent for the defense of the gospel. Those people were preaching the gospel with good motives. They wanted to meet Christ known. They loved Paul, they loved Christ, they loved the Lord, and they wanted to meet Christ known. And Paul, he was able to rejoice in that, and he says, no matter what the motive is, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. And Paul simply delighted, was delighted that his situation had inspired others to speak for Christ. I wonder, are you someone who gets opportunity for others to speak for Christ? What do I mean? Well, maybe you go to a new workplace. There's been that Christian there for many, many years, and they've not been they've not been able to speak up for Christ. They've been too nervous. And maybe you step into that place and you're bold and you speak for Christ. And as that other child of God listens to you speak for Christ, they find their voice. And they're encouraged by your boldness to speak for Christ. Isn't it amazing how when you stand for Christ you can encourage other Christians? 
It's an amazing that when you stand for Christ, others around you, they become bold. And that's exactly what happened. Because Paul was bold to preach the gospel, because Paul was brave enough to speak to those prison guards, others heard about it, and they came out of the shadows, and there in Rome there were many who were brave to speak for Christ. What a work Paul did from that prison set. And you too, dear child of God today, you can only speak for Christ in your situation. You don't know how many other Christians you would encourage to do the same. Paul's unfortunate situation. Christ was preached and how encouraged that was. But I wanted to say finally this afternoon the church is encouraged. I wonder can you see how this builds. Paul he found joy in his unfortunate circumstances which ultimately led to Christ being proclaimed while in chains and others being, being inspired to preach the gospel as well. But not only that, the church was encouraged. Look at verse 14. He says, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident now what's that thing? He's saying because I'm in prison, other brethren they have gained this confidence. They're waxing confident because I'm preaching the gospel, others are too. And he says, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak without fear. Those who are in fear have found a boldness in Christ. Encouraged by Paul. And Paul's chains not only give contact to the lost, a gospel opportunity, but they give courage to the saved. You know, many of the believers in Rome took fresh courage. They were determined to speak for Christ. And all that mattered as we said for Paul was the promotion of the gospel of Christ and his unfortunate circumstances and his joy in them encouraged others to do it. I tell you, you know, discouragement spreads, but so does encouragement. And often what we go through and how we go through it can encourage others. I wonder, do you remember Genali? Those missionaries who were murdered in Ecuador on the 8th of January 1956. Do you know what happened as a result of that? His wife could have been discouraged. He said, I'm done with this. My husband's gone. But no. They went back in. And after those savage slayings, untold numbers in that little tribe gave their lives to Christ and they went and worked for the Lord. David Jeremiah tells us of the 17th century, uh, tells us that in the 17th century George Fox was making uh, quite an impact for the gospel and hundreds were being converted under George Fox's ministry. And after his trial, he was thrown into a filthy dungeon which was overrun with rats and also many criminals. And he wasn't even allowed to get a glimpse of any of them. He was put right into the back of the prison. And there was no food allowed to be brought to him, maybe just from time to time by the prisoners. But 150 miles away, 16-year-old James Parnell, a cripple with a brilliant mind, heard about Fox's situation and he wanted to speak with Fox about Christ. And Parnell walked all those miles just to have fellowship with Fox. And somehow he managed to get into the prison. And Walter Williams wrote this. He wrote that George Fox spent some time with Parnell and fellowship together. And after Parnell left the prison, his heart was aflame. And he gave the rest of his life to Christ. There was a man in prison 
who used it as an opportunity to encourage a younger brother in Christ. And that younger brother went to live for Christ after seeing the encouragement of a man who was chucked into the deepest part of the prison. I wonder, does your life encourage others to live for Christ? Or does it discourage them? Does it stir up our saints into action? Is your life an example to others? You know, a lot of good keen Christians are quite aware that their gospel, their responsibility to the gospel and their responsibility to the unsaved around them. But many times we can neglect our responsibility to minister to other Christians and to encourage them. A ministry to other Christians, not a ministry in the gospel. You know, our ministry to other Christians can show the adequacy of the gospel and the sufficiency of the gospel and the glory of it and the wonder of it and the victory of it as people look upon us as we love one another. I wonder, do you have a ministry to the children of God? Wondering your present situation, are you encouraging others? You know, the amazing thing about this letter that we're reading today is Paul didn't even realize the state of the words he was writing. Paul was thinking of the brethren in Philippi as he wrote this letter. He didn't realize that in 2022, some Sunday afternoon with the rain pouring outside, that a little church in Grange Baptist would be encouraged by his words. Many, many years later, many, many people have been encouraged to stand for Christ just for these words. What an encouragement Paul was, he didn't even realize how vast an impact these words would have. I wonder will our words and the things we do have an impact like that on others? Only the Lord knows the answer to that. But if we can only have an encouraging impact in our we fellowship and those around us, what a difference it would make. We can be encouragers one to the other. I wonder, does God want you to minister and exercise and ministry to others? You know, in the New Testament, we read of being able to, of being a comfort to others, a comfort to those who need comfort. And God puts us into the situation that we're in today, that we may reach with the gospel and encourage one another. Maybe you're in an unfortunate situation. Maybe you're in a desperate situation today. Or maybe those around you don't know it. Maybe those around you don't know anything about what you're going through. May you come into this place today and you're just in need of the Lord to touch you and encourage you. Why not learn a lesson from Paul today? Turn your difficult situation into a gospel opportunity and deal with it in such a way that you'll encourage others to live for Christ.